Row for Show Productions presents Humble Beginnings, the Undrafted Podcast. Welcome to Humble Beginnings, the Undrafted Podcast. I'm your host, Rochelle Hamilton Jr., and this is episode 50 of the Undrafted Podcast. Man, it is a blessing to be able to make 50 episodes of this thing. Because I didn't think this thing was going to make it past five. So this is a true blessing to be with you 50 episodes into the Undrafted Podcast. We got a great show for you today. On the pod today, we're going to be talking about the Denver Broncos 2019 draft picks. The draft finally happened after months and months and months of endless speculation. And I love what the Broncos did in this year's draft. And I'm in and I'm out. Steve Smith went on a tirade about Josh Rosen unfollowing the Arizona Cardinals on all social media channels. And I'm just trying to figure out, why is Steve Smith so mad? And what's the way with Chef Road Daddy? I'm going to talk about what to do when you're not able to cook your meals at home, but you don't want to wreck your progress. It's not as hard, and it's a lot more enjoyable than you might think. And then this is some bull jive. The refs in the officiating in Rockets Warriors Game 1 need some definite definite work. Well, without further ado, let's get into it with The Low with Rowe. After months and months and months of endless speculation, the NFL draft finally happened. All 32 NFL squads selected guys that they hope will turn out to be the next generation of NFL superstars, and the Denver Broncos, my dogs, they were no exception. They walked away with some immediate impact players, and in my personal opinion, the Broncos had a great draft for the second consecutive year. And actually, that's just not my opinion. That's the opinion of the national media. And guess what, bruh? I love it. Now, Broncos insider Cecil Lammy from 104.3 The Fan in Denver said the Broncos have drafted four out of the top 50 players in the 2019 draft. Bruh, that is huge considering how this team has drafted in the past. Now, I'm not exactly sure what's caused John Elway and the Broncos brass to turn around their draft strategy or their draft philosophy, but whatever it is, I hope they keep doing it because it is working. Now, I'll be completely honest, though. When the Broncos traded out of their spot, which they were at spot 10, when they traded out of that spot with the Steelers to go down to 20 and pick up a few more picks, I was like, what are they doing? And then when Pittsburgh, when they messed around and they took Devin Bush, that just poured more salt into the proverbial wound because I was really hoping to get that dude on this nasty Broncos defense. But then it all worked out when Denver took Noah Fant with pick number 20. Now, during the John Elway GM era since 2011, Denver's done really, really well drafting guys on defense, but they've notably struggled to find impact players on offense. And it's not like they haven't tried. It's just been that's been one of the areas where it's kind of been John Elway and the Broncos Achilles heel up until last year. And again, this year when they found some nice immediate impact type players. Now, Denver struggled mightily on offense the last three seasons, and that's really kind of putting it lightly. And like I said, it's not like the Broncos haven't tried to rectify their problems on offense. It just hadn't worked out for them. But they're starting to turn these offensive problems around up in the Mile High City. Now, in the draft this year, they focused heavily on offense this year. They focused on offense last year. You know, they had Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton. They broke out at the wide receiver spot. 
uh, last year. And then they had my dog, number 30, Phillip Lindsey. He definitely broke out. You know, he's a pro, made the Pro Bowl as a rookie. Like, I love Phillip Lindsey. So the Broncos have found some impact players on offense at last year. And then they found them again this year. They started it off with drafting Noah Fant, the tight end out of Iowa. Now, to be honest with you, I had never heard of Noah Fant before Thursday because I haven't watched a lot of Iowa games, and that's just the God's honest truth. Now, whenever they drafted this dude, whenever they announced his name, I actually had to text my cousin Jeremy up in Ohio and ask him who he was as well as look up stuff on YouTube and Google just to find out more about this dude. Now, the thing I like about this pick is, Tight end has been a place that Denver has struggled at for years, both with injuries and consistency. Now, I'm not going to sit here and bore you with a bunch of stats, but just to give you an idea as to how much Noah Fant helps Denver at tight end and to show you how much the Broncos have struggled to find consistency at the tight end spot, I'm about to spit a few numbers at you. Noah Fant has 18 receiving touchdowns since 2017. That's the most by a tight end in college football. He had the best 40-yard dash, the best broad jump, the best vertical, and the best three-cone drill among tight ends at the 2019 Combine. So he's explosive, he's fast, he's got great footwork, and he can stretch the field. All areas where Denver needs tight ends to excel at. Now, Denver's tight ends averaged 9.5 yards a catch in 2018, which was good enough for 29th in the NFL. So that just goes to show you just how much he's going to help the Broncos offensively. And I'm done throwing a bunch of numbers at you. (laughs) Now the Broncos go from getting Joe Flacco a weapon at the tight end spot to beefing up the line in front of him when they pick Dalton Reisner with their second pick. Now this dude right here, the thing I like about this dude, this dude is a wall, man. Now, he's nasty when he comes off the line, and he's got that dog attitude in him, and that's really what the Broncos need along the offensive line. Because with Dalton Reisner, when he gets his hands on you, he wants to drive you to the ground. Now, in some games that I saw of him, he was pancaking dudes and putting cats on the ground left and right. And we need that mauler. We need that bulldozer type. We need that nastiness on the line in Denver. Now, he's versatile, which is one of the main points that John Elway emphasized about him and is really one of the things that John Elway liked about him. Now, John Elway said that they plan to play him at guard, but it also sounded like the Broncos are open to moving him around on the line if need be because he can play multiple positions. I think I read somewhere where he can play like four different positions along the line. Now, after that, they go and they trade with the Bengals to move up in front of the Dolphins to get Drew Locke. Now, the the thing here is it's no secret that John Elway, he fell in love with Drew Locke during uh, during his past season. And it's probably the worst kept draft secret in the NFL. Now, the thing I liked about this is they were able to get their guy and they didn't have to give up a whole lot to get him. Now, they were able to have some flexibility with those picks that they acquired from Pittsburgh. So that gave them a little bit of wiggle room to play around with the draft and they could get in front of some of these teams that needed quarterbacks. And it was reported that uh, not only was Miami looking at Drew Locke, but it was like one or two other teams that were looking to get him in Denver. They had to you know, make a move to get their guy. Now, the first thing most folks will do and have done with this particular pick is bring up John Elway's track record of drafting quarterbacks, which in a way that's fair. I mean, I'm not going to get into it here, but it's fair just because that's been the one area where it's been kind of his Achilles heel when it comes to the draft. But I do like the plan that he and the Broncos have for Drew Locke because Drew Locke is in the perfect situation. 
he has no added pressure of coming in and having to learn everything about the NFL game in such a short period of time because the Broncos have already said, hey, we're drafting him, but Joe Flacco is our starter for the near future, and Drew's going to be able to sit down and just learn as much as he can learn. And then when his time, when it's time for him to step in and take the reins, that's when he'll do that. So he gets to come in, he gets to sit on the bench, he gets to watch, he gets to learn from Joe Flacco, and he gets to work on his game for a year or two. And I don't think, I think people have forgotten, and that's really how the NFL used to do it. Like, it's only been recently where they draft these dudes and just throw them into the fire. I mean, if you look at how Patrick Mahomes has been able to do in Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes was drafted in 2016, and he was able to sit and learn from Alex Smith for a whole year. And you look and see what Patrick Mahomes is doing over in Kansas City. I mean, he's he lit up the league. Now, of course... He's got a great he's got a great coaching staff over there with Andy Reid and his guys, but you can't put a price tag on being able to sit a guy down and have him learn the ins and outs and get him prepared for the rigors of the NFL. Now, that's exactly what John Elway said whenever he was asked about this. He said he looks at this like a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers type situation where the young guy can come in, he can learn for a few years, and he can prepare for the ins and outs of the NFL, and then he can step in and handle his business. And I know there's people out there that say, oh, I'm tired of the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre comparison, blah, 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 blah. Nobody is saying that these two dudes are Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. People are just saying that, hey, he can come in, He doesn't have to, you know, try to learn everything to be the starter from day one. He can come in because Aaron Rodgers, he sat for three years behind Brett Favre and he was able to soak up an unlimited amount of knowledge and information and truly learn the game before he even set foot on the field. Now, of course, we know Joe Flacco is no Brett Favre, but Joe Flacco, I mean, he's a decent quarterback. He's good enough to be Denver starter, hopefully at least for the next year or two. Please, football God. Please let Joe Flacco work out this year for the Broncos because I'm tired of not talking about the Broncos when it comes to playoffs. Like, I miss seeing the orange and blue wrecking crew in the playoffs. But anyway, back to this whole situation. Now, the Broncos had this same plan in place uh, with Paxton Lynch back in 2016, and he bombed. So, uh, you know, my fingers are crossed with this one that this works out because so far it looks like Drew Locke has all the tools that he's going to need to be a successful NFL quarterback. So I'm really hoping that this works out. You know, Drew Locke, he has no pressure on him. He can sit back. He can learn. Now, the one thing he does have working against him, you know, he was in a spread offense in college, but the Broncos run more from under center. So there's going to be a little bit uh, longer of a learning curve for him. Now, the good thing is you're starting to see more and more college concepts make their way into the NFL and in the passing game. So that's going to help him out as well. He has Rich Gangarello as offensive coordinator, and that's going to do wonders for his game. Now, Rich Gangarello, He turned Nick Mullins basically from a nobody into a viable NFL quarterback last season. So much so that during a Thursday night game last season against the Raiders, when he was filling in for the injured Jimmy Garoppolo, this dude dominated the Raiders so much that he went from a nobody who was unverified on Twitter to verified during the game. And I'm dead serious. Like, if you don't believe me, you can Google it. Like, it actually happened during the game. I still remember that game, by the way. And on top of that, the Broncos, they saw firsthand just what he could do because he passed all over Denver's defense when they played in San Francisco last season. Nick Mullins torched the Broncos' defense for 332 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Now the Broncos have the guy who coached him up to coach their quarterbacks and their offense. So with all that, man, I am ready 
Now, Scangy's going to be crucial to Locke's development as the Broncos groom him to take over the next few years. The Broncos, they also selected Jawan Winfrey at wide receiver in the sixth round out of Colorado State. And from what I hear, he's expected to be this year's Phillip Lindsay, where he really just kind of comes out of nowhere and he shocks everybody in their football mama. Bring it on, bruh. Bring it on. Now, they stocked up more in the pass rush as well when they selected Draymond Jones in the third round. And you can never have too many pass rushers. And John Elway, he said he's going to play this dude inside. So you've got this dude in the middle who can eat up space. He can rush from the inside. And you've got those two tornadoes named Von Miller and Bradley Chubb on the outside. And on top of that, Denver just added some hitters and some skaters to the secondary this past free agency class. Bruh, look, I'm telling y'all, man, this Broncos defense is going to be nasty this season. Now, this interior pass rush is going to be crucial for the Broncos because they do run a lot of nickel on defense. So we need Draymond Jones to do what he does so the rest of the Denver defense can do what they do best. Now, the question remains if Denver is going to have the linebackers that can cover these good tight ends in the league effectively because Denver's really kind of struggled in that position since 2016 when they lost Danny Trevathan over to Chicago because Danny Trevathan, man, I remember that 2015 year, him and Brandon Marshall, they were sticking to tight ends like glue. And really since then, they let Danny Trevathan go over to Chicago for salary reasons and then, you know, Brandon Marshall, he's still a really good football player. I think it just I think injuries started to catch up with Brandon Marshall. Now he's over there in Oakland now. So, you know, if Denver can really shore up that particular area of the defense, especially against these big, fast tight ends like George Kittle and uh, Travis Kelsey. Man, I remember last year, George Kittle, he cooked the Broncos defense last season when he had over 200 yards receiving in that game against the 49ers. That that hurt me. That was ridiculous. So, yeah, if the Broncos can improve in that area on defense, boy, the NFL is in trouble. But even more importantly, the Broncos took big steps in improving offensively because in today's NFL, in today's pass happy, we want to throw the ball all over the yard NFL, you got to score points to win. And Denver, they've struggled on offense since 2016. So this newfound emphasis and this new draft strategy that they've put in that's got impact players coming in left and right on offense, man, look, it's got me hype as all get out, bruh. Is it football season yet? All right, let's move on to I'm in and I'm out. Former Panthers and Ravens wide receiver Steve Smith went on a tirade during the draft when the NFL Network draft panel reported that Josh Rosen unfollowed the Arizona Cardinals on all social media accounts amidst all the speculation that they were going to trade him to make room for number one pick Kyler Murray. Take a listen. We got six rounds to six rounds in the next couple of days. Guys are getting replaced. You are replaceable. No one. They they say in the league, the more you can do, it helps your opportunity. So now you're mad because they brought some competition in here. So you're gonna try to take your ball. Well, first of all, son, it ain't your damn ball to take anyway. So you just keep playing with your phone and you keep showing us what what the stigma of you and who you were was in uh, at UCLA. Now you brought it to the professional level to show us you're still going to, when things don't go your way, you're going to cry in the corner. But guess what? They're going to ship your ass home somewhere else and you can go cry and be their problem. Listen, yeah. this is a man's game. Be a man and go against that man one-on-one. He gets 10 plays, you get 10 plays, do your deal. Ain't nobody giving you nothing. Only thing you can get on this stage 
right now, it's a free ass whoop, and everything else you got to work hard for. Let's say Josh Rosen was still on the roster come training camp time. Uh, you know why he won't be on the roster? Because he ain't got enough heart to be on that roster. He got to go out there and work his ass off. He don't want to work. He wants something given to him. But he probably thinks, I don't have a fair shake because they brought in a new coach, that, and Kyler Murray yep. runs his offense. So in Josh Rosen's eyes, I understand what you're saying. But I get it, but... This is why ball is so fun to watch because you allow people to dictate what you can't do, but you get the opportunity to go out there and show them I can do it. That's what the combine says. This guy's too short. This guy's too small. This guy's too big. This guy didn't play at a big enough school. So you go out there and you know what you do? You do like Kurt Warner do. You do like Brett Favre does. How is Josh Rosen all of a sudden different than all of the other 100 years because this is our 100-year celebration. I all the other 100 years of all these other players that work their butt off, that have strength and scrounge to get to where they are, to get the pinnacle of success. And he's mad because a draft, they have a draft every year, buddy. A draft is here, and they're saying that we're going to try to replace you. I'm out on this take. Well, 50-50. Here's the thing. I like Steve Smith, and I generally agree with him. And on this subject... I get the point that he's making, and I agree to an extent, Uh, but this is a horrible, horrible, horrible take. I mean, this honestly felt like he was over-exaggerating this for TV. Like, it felt like he was overselling it, because this was a reach, especially from a guy who basically demanded a trade or demanded his way out of Carolina when he wasn't going to get his way when it came to Carolina, especially from a guy who had numerous outbursts to team management and coaches and everything else along his career. Again, I like Steve Smith. I liked him as a player. I like him as an analyst. But at the same time, let's call a spade a spade. Josh Rosen did what most people would do in this social media saturated age that we live in now. When the friendship, relationship, or whatever it is between you and another party is over, you're generally going to unfollow them on social media. The fact that a guy unfollowing social media accounts was even news in the first place tells you how boring society has become in several aspects lately. But that's another story for another day. Look, Steve Smith is just as wrong here as he is right here. Now, he's right in the fact that when you're hit with adversity, you man up and you do what you have to do and face it. You work harder and you handle your business. If you're in a position to beat somebody out for a spot, then you fight as hard as you have to fight to win that spot. If it's waking up earlier to work out, well, then you do that. If it's extra film study, you do that. If it's time spent after practice to work on passing and routes and things like that, well, you handle your business. And honestly, this concept can and should be applied to everyday life, not just sports. And here's the thing, like Josh Rosen, the thing that another thing that I didn't get with this tirade that he went on is Josh Rosen has done nothing to even warrant a tirade like this. He didn't complain, at least publicly. He never complained. Uh, And then reports came out that whenever his agent let him know that everything that was going on, he was ready to compete with Kyler Murray for the job. But at the same time, he also knew that the politics of this situation, he wasn't going to get a fair shake. But even in the midst of him not getting a fair shake, he was still ready to compete for the job. I like the way Josh Rosen has handled himself amidst 
all of this because he stayed in town for Larry Fitzgerald's, you know, his softball tournament that he does every year. He stayed in town for that even after he was traded. He didn't have to do that. And then on top of that, he stayed after the tournament to sign autographs for the fans. He didn't have to do that. And then he released a video on social media basically thanking the Cardinals. He thanked the team. He thanked the staff. He even thanked the cafeteria members and things like that. He thanked the community for giving him a shot, giving him his first chance in the NFL, and then basically telling and then basically telling the Dolphins, hey, I'm looking forward to playing there. Let's go get it. So Josh Rosen has handled this situation the best way that he possibly could. But back to this concept, man, here's the thing. Adversity can and does happen. And if you want to get any enjoyment out of life, you must learn how to deal with it and overcome it. Because there's no better feeling, there's no better feeling than coming up on a mountain Climbing that bad boy and then coming out bigger, faster and stronger than than what you went in. But this whole notion of he shouldn't be mad or upset because they want somebody who they feel is better is nonsense. That competitive drive is part of what gets you to the NFL in the first place. You should be upset when someone tells you or shows you that you're not good enough to do something. That tells me you have some fire. That tells me that you care. That tells me that you have some confidence in your ability. Now, what you do with that disappointment or what you do when you're upset will determine ultimately how you're perceived moving forward. Now, if I'm an athlete or in any kind of competition, the last person I want to be around is someone who will just take what somebody says and rolls over when they don't get their way. And yes, I know how the NFL works. This is how the NFL works. Teams are always looking to improve. Teams are always looking for guys that are better. That's how the NFL works. That's a way of life in pro sports. I mean, hell, that's a way of life in life, period. But just because that's the way of life doesn't mean that I have to like it. Social media pun intended for show. And if I don't like something, I have the ability to change it. Rejection and heartbreak is a part of life, but none of us like it. It's the same thing here. No one likes being told that they're not good enough. Now, the question now is how does Josh Rosen take this and handle this moving forward in Miami? And it's not like Arizona even told him he wasn't good enough. I mean, technically they did, but I mean, at the same time, Here's what happened in Arizona. I mean, they fired Steve Wilkes as a head coach. Then they hired Cliff Kingsbury to replace him. Most head coaches want their guy at quarterback first. Set that position up first on the roster and then work your way through the rest of it afterwards. And to be honest with you, I honestly couldn't care that Josh Rosen unfollowed the Cardinals on social media, which is another thing that made this tirade complete nonsense to me. I mean, at the end of the day, who cares? I mean, I would be more concerned if Josh Rosen showed no emotion or action whatsoever. I mean, Steve Smith was talking like the Cardinals were going to keep Rosen on the roster. I mean, the politics alone said that wasn't going to happen. And when this whole notion of them drafting Kyler Murray first overall, I already knew when that started floating around on the rumor mill, the politics alone tells you that that's not going to happen. They're not going to keep two uh, top-level draft picks uh, at, quarter at the quarterback spot on the roster. Because the Cardinals traded up to select Josh Rosen in the first round in last year's draft. Then you turn right around this year and select Kyler Murray. You draft his replacement with the number one overall pick. The politics of draft positioning alone tells you that they were going to move on from Josh Rosen with that alone. Plus, you don't know if this is going to have any negative effects in the locker room. But anytime a team takes a guy that high, they're telling you, hey, we're going to replace you. Now, 
Like I said, I talked about the video earlier that Josh Rosen put up on his social media in response to everything. I really liked how he handled it. I like how he's handled this entire situation because honestly, Josh Rosen handled this situation a lot better than most people would have. Because this is the thing. I'm not going to have this woman break up with me. Tell me I'm not good enough. Kick me out. Move the next man in. And then we still friends on Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and LinkedIn and all this liking pics and tagging each other and going on. Bull jive, bruh. Look, girl, bye. She's getting unfollowed on social media and in real life because Ro don't play that. I, I Look, man, with this take with Steve Smith, I can't get down with this. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I like Steve Smith. I get what he's trying to say. But this take right here, Steve Smith sounds like a complete fool. I just, yeah. I mean, I agree with the premise of it, but the rest of it is a super, super hot take. What's the wave with Chef Road Daddy? Now, this is the part of the podcast where I talk about wellness and taking care of your body. Because as we navigate this game called life, the best thing you can do for yourself is to take better care of yourself. And that starts with wellness and taking better care of your health physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health. All of these are important factors in living a better life. Now today, I'm going to talk about what to do when you're out and about and home-cooked meals aren't an option. What do you do? Well, I'm glad you asked (laughs) because I'm about to tell you. So you're on this journey and you're tired of cooking your food for a change or your friends want to go out to eat, but you don't want to get crazy off track but you also don't want to torture yourself at the spot or you have a hot date who you want to wine and dine or who wants to wine and dine you boy, look at you, you smooth player. But you don't want to wreck your progress. What do you do? Well, there's a few ways that you can handle this. Now, what I do in situations like these, well, not the dating things. I ain't went on a date in forever, but (laughs) what I do in situations like this is I get online and I look up whatever place we're talking about hitting up and I pre-plan what I might get. Now, what I do in situations like these, I get online and I look up whatever place we're talking about hitting up and I pre-plan what I might end up getting. Now, I'll generally look at, you know, two to four options to give myself some wiggle room in case I change my mind on the way there or in case I change my mind when I get there and I'm looking at the menu. And here's the thing, man, you have to get your mind right on this journey on this lifestyle change, whatever you want to call it, you have to get your mind right because everything in this life starts with the mind. I don't care what it is. Everything starts with your mind. The mind controls everything. The body simply follows. Why do you think food companies market junk food to kids at such young ages? Why do you think tobacco companies used to market their ads to middle schoolers and high schoolers? Because their young minds are still developing and therefore they're more vulnerable and more impressionable. And if I can stamp this print on your mind at such a young age when I can impress it on you, I'm more likely to keep you locked on this habit later on in life. Well, this journey, this lifestyle change is no different. Get your mind right first and foremost. Now, the first thing I look at on the menu is what kind of salads they have. Because I look at the salads because I can get my protein and veggie intake all in one meal if I choose to. Now, when it comes to salads, if I get one, I'll generally look for something like a grilled chicken salad or occasionally maybe like a tuna salad. But in addition to the salads, because sometimes I really don't like the salads at some of these restaurants because they don't have enough meat. Because I like my salads like, man, not like crazy piled with meat, but some places only want to give you like two pieces of chicken. And that ain't going to do nothing but make me mad. So in addition to the salad, 
I'll also look and see if they have like any grilled chicken or fish entrees. Then I look to see if they have like a house salad or steamed or grilled vegetables that I can get on the side. Now, the good thing about eating out now in America, and it's kind of funny when you really sit back and think about it. But as the country becomes more and more unhealthy, it's becoming more and more health conscious. Kind of like a big oxymoron. Most restaurants have healthier alternatives on the menu nowadays, and most restaurant menus are available to look at online. Take advantage of this info. I cannot stress that enough. This information is out there. Put it to use for your goals. Some of them even have the calorie and nutrition info on them, so you know exactly what you're getting. But back to the food, though. If I feel like being a little liberal with my calories, but I still want my protein, well, I'll look and see what steaks are available, and then I just get the leanest cut, which is generally something like a sirloin. Now, I love steak, but steak has a lot of calories in it, so I generally stay away from it because my favorite cut of steak is the ribeye, which is like the most flavorful, but it's also the one that has the most calories in it because it tends to have more fat in it for the flavor and everything else. So I'll stick to something like a sirloin, Uh, If I do on those rare occasions when I do get steak. Now, the last option that you can do is you can just chalk it up to a cheat meal and then just work it off in the gym later. Now, notice I said meal singular, not meals uh, with an S on it. Now, if your willpower is lacking, this is a dangerous way to go because one meal can turn into two and then so forth if you're not careful. But if you do go this route, if you do go this route, discipline will be of the utmost most importance because a lot of times what happens is you'll say man you know what i'm just gonna eat this one meal it's not gonna hurt and while it's true one meal won't hurt if you're eating well the other 80 to 90 percent of the time what can throw you off is the chaser effect which is now that you've had that one crazy meal you might be open to dessert or some drinks you know which is nothing but a bunch of extra calories sugars and carbs because hey i'm messing up already so i may as well just enjoy it (laughs) and trust me man i've done that a thousand times and even if you don't eat the dessert or have the extra drinks you know immediately after that meal that chaser effect can kick in a different way because you may say hey you know what i messed up on monday and then tuesday i got this crazy schedule so i may just you know i may as well just go ahead and enjoy it again and then before you know it One cheat meal turns into two, two turns into three, three turns into five, five turns into seven. And then before you know it, you've cheated the entire week. And then that entire week turns into a month. And that's how this whole thing kind of just compounds. So be careful when you go this route. Now, if you do just chalk it up to a cheat meal, make sure it's just that one meal and get right back on. Because there's no need to prolong this journey any longer than you have to. Now, I say journey because a journey can have different parts to it. Now, this particular part of the journey, if you're trying to lose weight or if you're trying to lose body fat, you know, you're going to be a little more strict than what you would be than, you know, if you had already hit your goal. But this is definitely a journey that is full of lifestyle changes, because just when just because you complete this particular part of the journey where you hit that weight goal or you hit that body fat percentage goal, just because you hit that doesn't mean that, hey, you know what? I'm at my goal. I can go ahead and get a little more liberal. I mean, yeah, you can, but you still want to watch it because the minute you start laying down your discipline, the minute you start, you know, getting a little too crazy, getting a little too out of whack, that's when that weight starts to creep back on you. That's when that body fat starts to creep back on you. And the older you get, the harder it is to work it off. So, yeah, don't prolong it any longer than you have to. And another thing you want to look at, the faster you practice great discipline, the faster you will see great results. But let's say these scenarios don't necessarily apply to you, but you're just in a rush and you don't have time to cook. 
Cool, because that's still no excuse. Chipotle and Chick-fil-A, they are my go-tos in this instant. Now, I have the Chipotle app on my phone, so I just get on there and just really order what I want. I customize it, and then I can pay for it. Then I can just walk in and pick it up. I don't have to worry about waiting in line or anything like that. This actually sounds like an ad for Chipotle, but I promise it's not because they ain't paying me. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Chick-fil-A, they've got the same thing as well. Chick-fil-A, they've got the same thing on their app. You can do the same thing. Now, at Chipotle... I get the Road Daddy special. <laughs> That's two scoops of chicken and fajita vegetables in the bowl. Brown rice, black beans, and red salsa on the side because I just want a little bit of each one of them. But Chipotle, they like to give you a bowl full of rice and a bowl full of beans and like five pieces of chicken. And that right there is some bull jive. So this is the thing, man. The next time you walk up in Chipotle, you tell them, I want the Road Daddy special. Now, they ain't going to know what you're talking about, but it sure sound good. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A has some really, really good salads. Now, I like to get the Cobb salad with spicy grilled chicken and then put that apple vinaigrette dressing on it to top it off. Man, look here. It, I mean, that, dude, look, that salad is so good, man. It's like, it's like little baby salad angels just descended from salad heaven and just danced on my tongue. Ah, it's the business. Now, the main thing in these instances, man, it really sounds like I'm doing a commercial for Chipotle and Chick-fil-A, and I promise I'm not because ain't either one of them paying me. I'm just hungry. Now, the main thing in these instances is to stay flexible in your nutrition. Give yourself wiggle room because going out to eat doesn't have to be a death sentence to your progress or to your daily intake. And here's the thing with the wiggle room uh, uh, mentality. You have to make your nutrition, you have to make your way of eating enjoyable because what happens is a lot of times people look at, they look at this thing as like a diet. Um, And, and when you look at it like a diet, it's like, man, you know, I got to eat this chicken. I got to eat this vegetables like you're doing it because you have to. And, you know, don't look at it like that. Make your food enjoyable and give yourself wiggle room because there will be days where your body's like, man, you know what? Look, chicken and stuff is cool. But, bro, like, can I just get, like, a little piece of pizza? And it's like, okay, and that's fine. Give yourself wiggle room. Give yourself cheat meals. Make this journey enjoyable for you. Because the more you enjoy the food that you eat, the more that you enjoy your nutrition plan, the more likely you're going to be to stick to it. Just be more mindful when you go out. Just be more mindful when you're eating. Because the key is to work smarter. You're already working hard in the gym. Don't make this harder than it has to be. Now, another thing that I that I want you to take away from this segment is when it comes to your nutrition, you have no excuses, especially people around my age like this, like my generation. We have no excuses because there's so much information. There's so many resources out there and there's so much technology to be able to access this information, to be able to access these resources. None of us have this excuse anymore. Now, now I get it with time being an issue, especially when it comes to the gym, because, you know, a lot of people work crazy hours. Some of y'all have kids, you know, some people, you know, there are, you know, single parents out there. I get all that. And even in the midst of that, try to make time to get it in, even if it's something that you have to do at home. And here's the thing. A workout doesn't have to be, you know, two, three hours. You don't have to do anything like that. I mean, you're not a professional athlete. Well, most of the people listening to this are not professional athletes. So you don't have to do some crazy long workout. If you can get it in 20 to 45 minutes and you can do it right there on your living room floor, there is so many trainers uh, out there that have, you know, quick 20, 30 minute workouts that you can knock out. 
There's some on Instagram. There's a lot of them on YouTube. There's a lot on Facebook. There's a lot on Snapchat. There's a lot just on Google, period. I mean, you can pick up, you can get on Twitter. I know I follow Men's Health on Twitter, and they have a lot of those quick little workouts um, that you can do. One of my friends just sent me a workout a workout plan that she's doing, and, man, I tried one of those, and, man, whew, some some of these women trainers, man, don't, don't sleep on these women trainers, boy, because, man, that workout that she sent me, oh, my God, it had me dripping in sweat, but... I mean, there is so much stuff at, that is out there that we you have to take advantage of it because, I mean, it's out there. Why would you not take advantage of it? But here's the thing. When it comes down to time, it doesn't take a long time to work out. It doesn't take a long time to get your heart rate up. If you can do 20 to 45 minutes of a high intensity or a moderate intensity workout, you know, anywhere from two to four times a week, you're already doing really, really well. Just make sure to keep your nutrition intact. And then speaking of nutrition, let's get back to it. Because with that, you have no excuses. There's too much info and too many resources out there to say you can't stick to your plan, even when circumstances call for you to have to eat something other than home-cooked food. The information is there. You just have to use it. How bad do you want it? That's the question you have to ask yourself. How bad do I want it? How far are you willing to go to achieve whatever goal it is that you've set for yourself? Because if you want to smash your goals, you will find a way. You have many, many choices in this life. Your situation is and will be what you make of it. And this is the thing you have to remember. You are either your own mechanic or your own mess. Take your pick. And now it's time for the last segment of episode 50 of the Undrafted Podcast. This is some bull jive. The Rockets and the Warriors faced off in game one of the NBA playoffs of the semifinals, man, on Sunday. And I got to tell you, you know, the Gordon, the Golden State Warriors, they won the game 104 to 100. But the officiating in that game was terrible. I mean, James Harden, you know, he had the complaint after the game uh, where basically he just said he wants the game to be called, you know, the way it's supposed to be called. And then they would live with the results. I mean, there was five or six missed calls on the Warriors that the refs basically just I don't know if they missed it on purpose, but they definitely looked the other way. And the thing is, man, you know, I'm sitting here watching, you know, Clay Thomas and Draymond Green, you know, while James Harden and some of these other Rockets, they're knocking, you know, they're shooting these threes and everything. And they're basically body fouling them and they're not giving the player that they're not giving the shooter space to fall down from when he's taking this jump shot or when he's taking this three. And it was reminiscent of that play that Zaza Pachula did that injured Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs against the Spurs and the Warriors a few years back. And that was the one where the Spurs, they were up on the Warriors 23 points. And then that just completely changed that series because if the Spurs would have won that game, I strongly believe they would have won that entire series. So I'm sitting here watching this game on Sunday and I'm sitting there thinking like, bruh, it's like the Golden State Warriors. It's like they have, the, it's almost like they have the refs in their pockets, bruh. I mean, I'm not sitting here. I don't want to throw that kind of accusation out there, but it's like, dude, these refs are not calling the game the way it's supposed to be called. And then, you know, some people say, hey, you know, in, in the playoffs, they just let them play and this and that and the other. But at the same time, if that's a call that you're going to make in the regular season, make the call in the playoffs. It really shouldn't matter what part of the season that you're in for a ref to make the call. This is where we get these inconsistencies 
with officiating and refing and everything else. And this is this is part of the reason why people say NBA referees and NFL referees are trash. And I, I'm that ain't my opinion, but this is part of the reason why people are so hard on officials and referees because there's a lot of inconsistency with the calls. And a lot of this is self-inflicted drama. So, you know, with this, and because, man, with, with those calls, Houston had a great chance to beat Golden State on Sunday. I mean, they only lost by four points, even with all the missed calls. And the thing about it is, man, I, Houston, if they want to beat Golden State in this series, they have to win game two tonight. They can't go down 2-0 to Golden State. I mean, it just can't. It just cannot happen. And they missed a prime opportunity to beat Golden State on Sunday because, yeah, you know, Kevin Durant, he got hot. He's going to get his regardless. But Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, they they didn't get on they they didn't get on those hot streaks that they generally get onto. So, you know, Houston, they had a prime opportunity to jump ahead of Golden State and really knock them in the head mentally and take game 1 from them. So, Houston, they really have to win this game tonight if they really want to have any shot of beating Golden State because now the degree of difficulty is already one up with them being down 1-0. So, if they lose tomorrow night at Oracle, it's going to get even harder for them to come down so yeah i mean the 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 refing and the officiating i hope it's better in game two moving forward especially since they've been called out by the rockets and especially since you know even the rockets coach mike d'antoni said something about it so now that the refs have been called out i want to see how they're going to bounce back i want to see what they're going to do moving forward because bad officiating has been a point of emphasis in the nba and in the nfl basically like for the last god knows however many years and it doesn't seem like it's really getting any better. So I don't know, man. I hope that they can improve it from one game to the next. But we shall see. But this bad officiating in these playoff games, that's that bull jive. Well, that's my time for episode 50 of the Undrafted Podcast. I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for blessing me with the gifts, the talents, and the resources to do this podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to come and hang out with me on this podcast. Remember, you can follow the Undrafted Podcast on Instagram at the Undrafted Podcast or on Twitter at Road for Show Pro. The Undrafted Podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and now iHeartRadio. So you can catch them on any of those mediums and you can download any episode of the Undrafted Podcast on those mediums at any time. Now, I don't have a Bible verse for you this week, but I do want to encourage you to read Genesis chapter 1, where it talks about how God created the earth and everything in it, which is why he has dominion over the earth and everything in it. And remember, do your best and let God handle the rest. Be blessed.